Welcome to Roman Cola for the soul with your host Cindy Felkum. Welcome back guys. I'm going to jump right into my interview with Nathan and Amanda. For those of you that have an attention span like me and you switched from part one of the podcast to part two and you're like, what was that first part about? I'll just recap for you that in the first part, Nathan and Amanda shared their story of how First of all, Amanda had to deal with some mental illness of depression and anxiety. And then right after she learned how to cope with all of that, she was diagnosed with a seizure disorder, which came with its own set of struggles of dealing with the medicine for that, which is almost as bad as the seizures, they say, then also having a toddler. So she ended up losing her job and all these different things. And then in the middle of that, their daughter started having Um, these episodes where her blood sugar got really low. And so they talked about dealing with all of that. And just to let you guys know, and to be completely open and real with you, none of us in our family were dealing with this, like going around with little halos and like, oh, we have so much faith. Everything's going to be okay. Like we all struggled (laughs) with this. And I mean, like embarrassingly struggled. And there were times like I sat down on a rock one time and just (laughs) cried outside my house. Like I was getting ready to go somewhere. And it just all hit me about all the things that they were going through. And I had dealt with a move in the middle of that. And so (laughs) I just sat down on a rock and like cried my eyes out like a sobbing ugly cry for like an hour and a half of like I can't do with this and I'm mad at you God but I know you're there and you're and all this stuff and so I was wrestling with that and it's kind of funny to think about like I was I was counseling Nathan and Amanda and those trying to help them through it and I'm still a basket case so anyway just to let you know that this is real and this is messy hope you enjoy the rest of this interview with Nathan and Amanda The next question or what I wanted to talk about specifically was how surviving all of this has impacted your relationship with each other. I feel like, well, personally, I had to rely heavily, heavily on Nathan, which was always just a very delicate thing for me to do. Like I didn't ever want to really rely on people, even though he's my husband, like I had to rely on him in a way that I've never before. I feel like over time it just brought us closer because now like we've been through all that stuff and so I feel like it's just proven like a hundred times over. Okay, he's super reliable. There's no reason for you to have that wall. And so I feel like it brought us like closer together in that way. Yeah. I think I can read her mind more now. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely would agree with that. that I think we got closer. There's, There's a lot of stuff that we worked through on just communicating with each other, especially because because so much of what we were going through required just communicating with each other well. And so I definitely think it made us closer. There definitely <laughs> there are fights that made that happen. Like there's definitely a lot of stuff that we went through to get there. But, but yeah, that happened. So how has going through the things that you experienced for the last few years impacted your relationship with God? Well, I, I'd say the same thing that made us closer, and, and it's for the same reasons. I yelled at God a lot, and still, I, actually, I did yesterday, like, too. Like, I mean, because there's still some, like I said, our stuff with our daughter still hasn't worked out, and just everyday life stuff, just all of that, working through that. And, and so there are just moments where I'm like, God, 
and just say a bunch of like explicit and I'm like I'm just so fed up with you know blankety blank blank and and honestly I mean God is big enough to handle that and so I think it's made me closer to him because he is where I'm turning to when this stuff happens and it's very emotional in the moment for me I mean there was one time that I when I was on my way to the hospital for like probably the 20th time in three months or something. And it was one of the times we were rushing to the ER that, I mean, I was just like, if anybody saw me on the road, they were probably like, what's wrong with that guy? Because I was just like screaming, like how frustrated I was. But the key thing in that was it wasn't just me yelling at him. It was, I know he cares about me. I don't know the outcome. It might be super negative and it still might. We don't know. But I do know that God is where I can turn to uh, in those things. Yeah. And I also feel like, should I say this? You can say it. (laughs) So people say that um, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And what I found during this time was that that is just not true. Like there were times when Nathan and I just felt like we were not just like staying above water. Like we were like, drowning like we don't know how we're gonna pay for kinsley's medical bills we don't know how we're gonna get certain places we don't know how we're gonna afford certain you know all this stuff on top of like my stuff his stuff her like everyone we just felt like we were just drowning we would say okay god we can't handle this is it like one more thing and that's it like we can't handle anything else nothing else we're done like, and then this one is more it. thing would come. And then one more thing would happen, and we're like, okay, for real this time, like, one, this is it. We are not handling more. We're done. Like, <laughs> and it would just be a cycle of that. Um, like, when people say God doesn't give you more than you can handle, I really don't believe that God gives you things like, oh, you know what? I think it would be a good idea for Amanda to have a miscarriage or, or this person to have, like, this bad thing happen or whatever. I think that stuff happens to people. It's normal. It's life. And God is with you the whole entire time. And so what I really learned and what I really stuck to is God didn't give me all this stuff to handle. He Life happens and God is with me throughout the whole time. And so um, that was super comforting to me knowing that God was with me through my child being in the hospital, through me being in the hospital through poor Nathan having to deal with both of us. like. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing when people say that God doesn't give you more than you can handle is, is it assumes two things that are not true. One, that God's given them to you, like Amanda said, and that, that it will never be more than you can handle because Jesus never said that. Uh, he actually indicated like the opposite, that life will be more than you can handle. But don't worry, I'm with you. I think both of us just came to recognize that in uh, super personal ways, not just in our heads, but on an emotional level. So during this time, what kinds of things did people do that you found found helpful? We had... Oh, go ahead. Okay. No, you go. Okay. Thank you. Aw, you guys are so cute. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, we had friends, a lot of friends. Obviously, you helped us, but it's awkward because you're here. Uh, no, I mean, we had, we had friends and family that helped, uh, take care of Kinsley. We had tons of medical bills happening to people who would like pay for us to go out on dates, stuff like that. And so 
there's a lot of that. But from my point of view, the thing that was the most helpful was having friends who would just let me be honest, who I would hang out with, or they'd ask me how I'm doing. And, and I knew that I could say the hard stuff specifically. It's really shitty. My kid is in the hospital. My wife's having emotional, mental problems. I still haven't grieved that I had, that my wife had a miscarriage. Like I'm not doing good and just, I'm pissed, I'm angry. Like just being able to say all that stuff unfiltered I, it was huge because I, I didn't feel like I had many places that I could do that, but the places that I could, it was, it was amazing. And it's what kept me going. And it's not just to vent for venting sake. It was, it honestly helped me see God's love in some ways because these it was mostly Christians that were letting me do this. And so to experience the spiritual level on that side too, that they, they weren't trying to, to fix it. They weren't trying to do any of that stuff, but just care for me through that. Definitely showed God's love uh, through them. Yeah, I have to agree with that. And then also like the consistency aspect of people constantly texting me, asking me how I'm doing, calling me. I had lots of friends that I'm super thankful for. They came to pick me up, to take me places, to take me in Kinsley places because being stuck in a house with a two-year-old is like enough for you to go back to, like enough for me to go back to the mental hospital. Like I was just, it was so hard. Like just being alone all day, not being able to leave and, and just feeling locked in my house. So I had so many people like bring us to the park, bring us to like different groups, like to the library. And I was so thankful that they did that. And then also would like text me and ask me how I'm doing, um, make sure I'm doing okay weekly. Even if I didn't get back to them right away, they were so graceful and like knowing that if I didn't get back to them, it's not because I didn't care. It was just, my life was just happening like normal per usual. And so it was, it was great to have that for us, I think. Yeah. So the people that helped you, how did that impact your relationship with them? With them? Yeah. I mean, it definitely made us closer because again, you have this trust that's, that's being built with them. So obviously you're closer with them. But for me, the big thing was that it was an example of a community actually caring for me when when I was really struggling. And so it gave me the insight and, and how I could also do that for other people in the future and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely that's, grew close. that's it. It's like knowing what would help other people if we ever come across someone that's in a situation that's just as awful like what we can do to help how we can help like and be more empathetic to people like um have that you know that compassion towards people so I happen to know that during this time people also did some things that were not very helpful and some things that were actually quite hurtful. And so just talk about that for a minute and share what you feel comfortable with. Yeah, I think one of the first things that, that I can acknowledge is that I think a lot of people want to help with when they see people that they care about going through something. 
I do think that there's, for the most part, pure intentions. And so I can understand that. That being said, in the moment, the way we were receiving it in real time was not helpful. Uh, it was it was hurtful uh, a lot of ways, and and sometimes like had the opposite of of what I think people were going for. And and I can understand that that we're not perfect, so I do want to give grace there. But yeah, I mean, there was tons of people. I I think just truthfully, one of the things that exists in church culture is that we really like simple, quick fixes to things. We love saying Jesus loves you. Bam, your life is fixed. I mean, it doesn't happen that quickly. It's It didn't happen that quickly for the people following Jesus that we read about. And so I think, though, we, we like that stuff in American church culture. And so there's a good chunk of time where We'd go to church, somebody would ask how we're doing, and we, we would say the standard answer of, yeah, we're fine, or whatever, and they could tell that we were obviously bothered, and so they'd push on us, and we would, well, you know, I'm really struggling because my wife just took all of her anger out on me, and I'm just really struggling with that, and somebody would be like, well, you know what, just give it to Jesus, you'll be all set. Oh, thanks. I hadn't thought of that one before. Like, wow. I haven't been doing that. <clears throat> wow. I've been a Christian for 20 years. I've never heard that answer before. Or people going as far as to say and like calling me out of the blue and saying, you need to be more supportive of your wife. And what they don't understand is that, you know. Your wife was batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that my wife is is not not only taking things out on me, but like manipulating things, cursing me out, all this stuff. And so like, you know. I understood where she was coming from. I think supporting her was walking away and stuff, but telling me like... Not not, from our marriage. Not from our marriage, (laughs) but from the moment. But telling me like, I need to be more supportive husband. You have no idea what's going on. And so to just drop that on me with the limited knowledge of the situation. Um, And and, and I guess the last thing I'd say is that really, I mean, there was a long time I didn't want to go to any church and not... Not to throw them all under the bus, but a Sunday morning service was where I just, I did not want to be there because a lot of that stuff existed. And that was hard. I mean, that that definitely was hard because... Yeah, some some weeks I felt like we took like a few steps back after we went in a church. Should I say that? Okay. <laughs> it's fine. I remember getting calls like, everything's great. We went to church. And we're not sure we want to yeah. try anymore. Sometimes the stuff um, people would say to us would just bring us back a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. Where we were we were feeling like, okay, we're good. And then it was like, oh. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And so, like, I'll, you know, I can understand some of the stuff that people want to help. That's their goal in that. But, again, a lot of the stuff just does not feel super helpful when you're going through it. Yeah, um, like what Nathan was saying with the quick fix type of thing, like we started calling it the 30-second counseling session where someone would ask you how you're doing and then, you you know, you'd talk to them and then they'd slap a Band-Aid on it and be like, okay, you're good to go. Like, not helpful. Not helpful. Like, um, there is a lot more deeper things going on. There's stuff that we can't even get into between, like, at church that exists in our daily life that I'm not even sharing because it's 
you know, we don't have enough time. And so I also think that something that I noticed and what really, really upset me is that I had pretty good support throughout this whole process. I mean, there are sometimes I felt, you know, not so supported, but throughout the whole process, I think generally I had way more of a support and I just realized like how much pressure gets put on guys to make everything perfect and it's their fault if their wives aren't okay and sometimes like it's that's not the reality of the situation like there are sometimes during like my big like depression like I was crazy like I would throw things and like scream and I was just like incoherent like there was no like fixing it probably the best thing he could have done is just like been like okay I'm gonna leave you here and you calm down and I'll I'll be back when you're ready to talk and like that's an appropriate response to like how I was acting and a lot of times Nathan didn't have the same support that I had even though he was the one bearing a lot of the depression, anxiety, hurt, you know, all that. And um, that's a lot to put on a guy and that's a lot to then be diminished about later to people. And people weren't getting the whole story of how crazy I really was and how awesome (laughs) awesome of a husband he is to even, like, be okay with staying with me. (laughs) Like, he doesn't have to. And so, (laughs) and, like, working through all that stuff with me is just, like, it's a really big thing. And then to say, oh, you need to do more. You need to be better. You need to fix your wife. You need to know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think another thing that we saw a lot is when people would offer to help with something and then not do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many, and this is for more than, than just one church community or Christian community and stuff. This was over the course of several communities, leaders, people who people look to, they would say, you know, hey, if you need anything, let me know. Or, hey, I could do this for you. I could do this for you. I could do this for you. And again, I understand great intention there. Everyone's busy. But after three or four times of asking for something and saying, hey, you said if we needed help, you could help us. Like, could you help us? And being told things like, oh, I'm watching a game. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Just kidding. Sorry I asked. Sorry I bothered to ask for help. In the, you know, like... Well, yeah, it took us a lot to be able to even get to the point to ask. And so... I, I want to be careful and say that, like, I'm not saying we're entitled to help and that people should drop everything they're doing. But if you don't talk about the receiving end of it, you're struggling with stuff. I know it's a big deal to ask somebody for help. And so they offer something like, you know what, we're, it's, it's kind of humbling to ask for help. So, you know what, I'm going to humble myself and, and ask for help and be told like, oh, sorry, I'm watching TV. I can't help you out. You know, I get that one time, but having the same type of answers three or four times after a while, you start getting the picture like, oh, you didn't really mean if I need anything. You mean you were uncomfortable that our life was messy and you needed to say something. Got it. That hurt. And, and I mean, I'll be honest, like it's those people I'll never ask for help from ever again. I mean, anything ever comes up, I'm no, not to turn to them to ask for help. I'd love to help them try to keep that separate, but I know 
the people that we experienced that with. And it was quite a bit of people, you know, all right, well, if we ever go through anything ever again, these are the people we can't count on. Bam. (laughs) So, um, here's to you. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to list names right now. (laughs) Okay. Let's see. Just look at Um, the description in this, uh, Look at my look at the show notes and you will see. We'll tag tag all the people that we don't like now. Okay. What was the point that we were gonna end on? Like what advice would you give to young married couples? I kinda want Don't do it. I kinda want it to circle back to something that Amanda brought up. The whole thing about the difference between the kind of support that she got and the kind of support that Nathan got. And it's almost demeaning to women, too, to be like that your husband's job is to fix you. Yeah. You know? I totally felt. I was like, I mean, I, again, like I know like she shared it from her point of view. But I'm like, first off, I respect my wife enough to say, like, yes, yeah, she has like these mental health problems going on but like she can do it like she like i know she can be better than this and like that's part of what pissed me off too is i was like don't tell i honest i'm not kidding i had several again like respected people tell me like well you gotta understand like your wife is the weaker vessel and i was like Back up, okay? Like, no, she's not. All right? She's struggling. She's not handling it well. She's wrong, okay? Like, I get all that out, okay? But I know she can be better. I know and believe that. And it's making me mad at you that you call her a weaker vessel. She's not a weaker vessel. She is struggling. She's had a lot of crap going on in her life. Don't diminish her because she's struggling with something. It's it pissed me off so much. Well, and honestly... And didn't help me at all. <laughs> well, and honestly, if you both had been, like, so into church culture... That would have destroyed I us. Think, well, or, like, it would either have caused you to split up, or I think this role where your marriage then looked like... Nathan was in charge of you and like this imbalance. Super misogynistic. I mean, it's. Yeah. Like, and, and how abusive that is actually, if you follow that to its conclusion, that it's abusive to think that your husband is responsible for your emotional health. I mean, obviously you don't stay around with somebody that's making your emotional health worse, but (laughs) I just think it's, it's really irresponsible to be telling young married couples that the man is responsible for keeping the woman happy. Yeah. I think that's super. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I think there's a balance there. Like I, there are some things that like, I definitely let him take charge on, but like if I have any like questions or concerns or anything, like we pause it and he explains it and then we move forward I think, first of all, your emotional state should not be defined by a human man. Like, it should be connected to Jesus, first of all. And that's what I was going to say right there, that in that advice, I'm the Savior. And that's not good for anyone. And so, like, there's tons of times, like, I know we're talking about how I was crazy, but, like, there are tons of times where Nathan's, like, 
the one that's like kind of being a, a butt and if my emotional state was so invested in him that like I was so fragile like if he was the one to keep me happy and he was acting that way I would be devastated throughout the course of my life a lot of times because there's a lot of times we don't agree we fight it's healthy it happens but my like I know my purpose and, and my you value you're so healthy <laughs> <laughs> but my purpose and my value isn't in how Nathan sees me I mean a, a little a little obviously I care but like mostly it's in how Jesus Jesus sees me as his child, his daughter, his, like, you know, he loves me, he cares for me, he's there for me. And my husband sometimes falls short. And, like, to have my emotional state ride on him is, like, super irresponsible, I feel like, and not Christian. I'll even say that. Not Christian. Well, and at the same time, like, we can't hit on everything that happened in two years, but I do know Nathan was depressed for a while. Yeah. And I don't think anybody said to Nathan. Yeah. Or nobody was going up to Amanda Boyan, like, you need to fix your husband. Like, he can fix himself. <laughs> I've been like, through it. It was kind of like people would tell him to, like, buck up and deal with yeah. it. But hadn't really even thought about that that much until just now. Yeah. There's just no way that it helps either person. And your I, value I needs just... to be in Jesus first. Because obviously... You know, I care a ton about what Amanda thinks, but as she was saying, my foundation needs to be on something much more stable. (laughs) (laughs) Rude. (laughs) And that's not not just because everything she went through. I'd say the same thing to anybody, that her foundation needs to be on something more stable. And and that's the story of Jesus. I mean, that's the story that, that we see. And so... Yeah, so any advice that puts the responsibility on on a spouse to fix it is just is just going to fall short. Because we're also, I mean, one of the things we skipped, I mean, haven't gotten into, Amanda touched on some, is, I mean, you have all the mental health stuff going on here, you know, chemical imbalances, counseling. I mean, like, there's a lot of stuff in there that's like, one, I'm not trained or qualified for, like, not my responsibility, like stuff like that. And so, I mean, the big thing I would tell young couples, did you ask that question? I said I was going to, did oh. I? All right. What would you tell young couples, Nathan? One of the big <laughs> things I would tell young couples is, I mean, your role is to support each other. And sometimes what that support means is putting yourself second, putting that other person first. I mean, that's supporting them, you know. So like when Amanda was going through things, supporting her to get help supporting her by saying hey here's what how i react poorly like here's how i don't help your uh, depression or anxiety and stuff and how i can work on that just finding ways to put yourself second the other person first and supporting them but you're still not the foundational savior that that they need to be turning to for everything and that's just not healthy you still you need to Make sure your spouse knows that. Yeah. I think I needed to be reminded a few times. Yeah. That. And so just to end on this note, I feel like we need to kind of wrap it up, but I wanted to talk about what you guys are into now as far as ministry. And I think your your view of church is kind of changing a little bit and how you see the importance of 
community now. So just talk about that a little, how all that you've been through has kind of come to this culmination and that you're doing some new things. Nathan is a campus minister for Sojourn Collegiate Ministries, although he doesn't like to call himself a minister. Call it, so if you ever meet Nathan, call him Reverend. <laughs> he loves that. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah, I mean, and Amanda can chime in here. He's yes. allowing you to speak. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> On the weaker muscle. Um, <laughs> yeah, so obviously Amanda can, can chime in on this because some of this is through my work, but I I think one of the biggest shifts we made is that most people who are trying to follow Jesus, they do have the good intentions, but it's learning to recognize some of the stuff. Because I don't know if we fully recognize everything we shared in this until having gone through it, like how people's bad advice impacted us, all that stuff. And so really working to identify those areas that as Jesus followers, we could be better at in, in creating a community that people actually feel supported. Because like I said, there were times we did not feel supported by our community. We certainly found communities that we were and we're grateful for that. But I don't know if I would say that was the majority. And so I would love to not just like be somebody who just like bashes everything Christian is like, it all sucks, burn it all, destroy it all. But like, how could we work to really build towards what we want to, to evaluate where we're at, how people are experiencing the stuff they experience when they come into a Christian community and how can we make that better? Because based off of stats and the way people talk around this country, I think tons of people are experiencing the same things that man and I experienced. And I know that's not the goal of these Christian communities. So if that's not the goal, how can we work to make them make them better, make people actually experience love, care, and support, not just when they're going through hard times, but when they're going through anything. So specifically, I'm working on that with college students. And one of the things we found is that there are so many college students who don't go to church, but when I give them just this dream of like, imagine a community where you were able to talk and explore about spiritual stuff, and they they supported you. They had your back. You're allowed to ask questions, talk through it, discuss it. I have not met anyone, and these are people who are not in church. I have not met anyone that says that sounds horrible. Why would you ever want something like that? Every person's like that sounds amazing. I wish that existed. How can we make that happen? What breaks my heart in that is that was Jesus's goal. <laughs> that was his mission. That is when he talked to his disciples. That's what he wanted created. And there's a whole generation and more of people out there. That's not what they are experiencing. And yeah, that's really good. And Amen. then. <laughs> oh, preach. And, um, preach, Reverend. <laughs> You're the worst. Also, I think another area that um, could use a lot of work is just being honest about your struggles. Like, Everyone struggles with things. Everyone, you know, has bad things happen, has things that they wish wouldn't happen in their life. And be honest about it. Be honest about your emotions. Be able to be vulnerable with your community. Like, this is your community. You're supposed to be there for each other. And if you're not able to for some reason, don't offer. You don't have to say, oh, if you need anything, let me know. 
it's it's okay if your plate is full like you don't need to add more to it and it's okay and it would be better if people were more honest about what they can handle what they can't handle be honest about how they're you know their emotions what they're going through yeah i mean being honest is huge if our communities were more honest about doubt struggles which all takes being vulnerable if we were more vulnerable with each other you would have more authentic communities. I can keep preaching, so well, whatever. It's, we'll leave you with keep this. Keep it real. Life is messy, but God is good. <laughs> True that. <laughs>